Father, we just pray you'd bless this time together as we continue on the subject of wisdom. Thank you for the service this morning. Thank you for each person that's here tonight. And we just ask you that you would really speak to us as we look at the most important thing in our lives, which is wisdom. And we just ask you that you would bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe what we could do is, is first um, take a look at a couple at a couple verses. Um, and I can just actually assign the verses for people to read, okay? What I'd like to do in our church is, is utilize, make, just like have everyone... I think everybody bring, everybody's got Bibles here tonight, but I'd like you, whether on your phone or a physical Bible, I'd like <clears throat> people to come and use their Bibles. Some, I know some folks leave their Bibles here. I don't know if they've got Bibles at home, but I hope they don't leave it here and not read it all week. That's, that would just be so sad. But um, I'd like us to really um, utilize our Bibles because that's just... Uh, a mark, a mark of a Christian that's going places with God is a person that reads their Bible. And um, James chapter 1. Oh, James. James is... Is that what you preached Christine, that no, but this is going to be a verse that uh, we'll use to get us going in this topic. So James chapter 1. Um, I don't read out loud because I don't know. All right, no problem. In verse 5, Don, can you read James 1, verse 5? James is... James 5, uh, 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberty and without reproach, reproach, Mm -hmm. and it will be given to him. Okay, so if we lack wisdom, we can ask, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Proverbs chapter 15, and we'll just go there. This is one of my favorites. Proverbs chapter 15. And, um. Let's see if mine works. If I can see this. They're not that strong, though. Okay, and, um. Looking at verse. had it here. Verse um, 16. And uh, who would like to read that? Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. So if you don't believe that with the increased in the, with the increase of goods mm-hmm. there is the increase of trouble then then uh, <laughs> you ain't lived. That's yeah 
we should be really thankful if we don't have a lot. The reason being is, is that uh, every person, wealthy person that I've ever talked to who's a believer says that it's a lot on their plate. Because with the increase of goods and the increase of material things, there's also <clears throat> the increase of things like insurance for those things mm -hmm. <laughs> and special care for those things. And, <clears throat> um, and the uh, maintenance of those things. And so wisdom really is the most important thing that we could ever desire and that we could ever gain. And wisdom, we said this morning, was, uh, and I want to just define it, um, it's what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and how to speak about it. It's the understanding that comes from applying what you know. So the difference between wisdom and knowledge is that knowledge can be just theory, right? Mm -hmm. Like I could just know something theoretically that this is the way, this is the way you drive a car. I could memorize a driver's manual but never ever drive. And I have a lot of information or knowledge about the uh, driving a car, but I don't have any wisdom or and. With wisdom comes understanding, like how to apply things. And that's the difference between an apprentice and a, a, a master, a person who's skilled at his trade, that he has wisdom. And so wisdom is knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and then how to speak about what you're doing. So that's wisdom. And... Wisdom is really the understanding of uh, how to excel in our life with God. Now, I said this morning that um, there's a businessman in Ukraine, and every time I ask him, I said, what can I pray for you? Know, for you? And he's very successful, um, and he just said, wisdom, just pray for wisdom for me. And that's a really wise prayer because he said, if I have wisdom, then I know what to do, and I know how to get what I need to get. And that, I think that's really, some people would pray for more money, some people would pray for more success or fame or knowledge or things like that, but really the thing that we want is wisdom. And wisdom is knowing what to do when to, it's like a football game, for example. You know, like, like you're in a certain situation, and the coach, and then you have like all these guys in the sidelines, right, with these headsets and they get all their boards and their diagrams and their defense and their offense and all this stuff, and they're looking at pictures. And I saw the game today, and I saw this guy. Who was it? Was it, oh, was it Manning? Somebody was looking at just, like, st stapled pages of pictures <clears throat> of plays during the game that had just been printed out and given to him. And I thought, that's wisdom, you know, like, like having a lot of information but knowing when to apply it, how, with how many people, and how strong, and... And that's really wisdom. And um, wisdom is something that uh, really is, we get it one of two ways. There's one of two ways that we get wisdom. We get it either through just voluntarily hungering after God for it. Like, you know, I voluntarily want it and say, God, give me wisdom. Or another way is involuntarily. And that is when life brings you to the knees because of, de of decisions that we make. And that's where most of us, I think, really reside in that place where uh, we are forced into a place where we just are begging God for wisdom. And God gives it to us. And that's, it's a promise. 
And I think that a good prayer to prayer in our life before we, before we attempt anything, and we could pray it more often, is, Lord, give me wisdom about this situation. Give me wisdom about this person. Give me wisdom about my landlord who wants me to cook a turkey. <laughs> give me wisdom about this or that, and just give me wisdom about this conflict I have at work, and give me this wisdom about my finances and how to uh, be a good steward of my finances. Give me wisdom. And when we pray that, you're going to be amazed at how God speaks to you about things. And uh, it takes humility to ask for wisdom, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It takes humility to ask for help. Like we're not normally people that really want to ask for help. And we want to kind of do it on our own. We want to just do it and fail at it if we have to, but we want to do it. And say, no, no, I got it. Don't tell me how to do this. Uh, but it's very important that we ask for wisdom and that we ask for help. And so that's the one way that we gain wisdom in our life. We ask for it. Just ask for it. The second way, really, um, and that's one of two ways that can happen, either voluntarily or involuntarily. The second way that we said this morning that we acquire wisdom is through the fear of the Lord. And <clears throat> we gave, remember this illustration that we gave about the train and the snake? The difference between the two. <clears throat> people fear trains and people fear snakes. One of them is a healthy fear and the other one's an unhealthy fear. And what's the difference? Do you remember? The fear of the train. Remember? Fear of the train is you respect it. You respect it because it's what? It's on tracks. It's on tracks. It's, it's stability. It's, it's stable. stable. It's predictable. It's predictable. It's only going to go in that direction unless it jumps the tracks. Back because it's a huge train coming at you. Yeah, you, there's this measure of, like, even though you know it's not, gonna not going to hit you or tip or anything like that, you just, the vibration of the, of the engine and the, the mightiness of the train engine is just, you just step back. And uh, uh, it's just the, the, the sound, the energy from the train, you just step back. And that's the fear of the Lord. That's respect. The other form of fear is that people have is with snakes, and snakes are unpredictable. And if you have a snake lost in your house, then that's not a good situation. Actually, that, that actually happened to us. Mm -hmm. uh, did I ever tell you guys that story? I didn't mm -hmm. want to tell it today because it's just a hair-raising story. But <laughs> we had a family, a Polish family, living in our basement. And the deal was is that they would help me finish the basement and they could just have free rent. So we were working together finishing my basement. And uh, one night in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning, I hear this screaming downstairs in the basement just like we're living in baltimore so i'm thinking okay people are getting murdered right now in my house <laughs> and so they're hearing this screaming and this rustling around and the shouting and then so i wake up my wife's like you know wake we we run downstairs to the basement and it's this young couple and they're like they're like uh they're like there's snakes in here i go what there's like <laughs> there's snakes on our bed and I look, and there's like these, you know, these water snakes, these big, black, thick oh, water snakes. I've only heard of them. But... We lived, right behind us was like this creek, mm -hmm. and it was just like this forest area oh, that you couldn't goodness. build. <laughs> so like what had happened was is that these snakes somehow got into our house, slithering, slithering around on top of, we're going to all have nightmares tonight, on top of our ceiling, the drop ceiling just like this. And one of them, or a few of them, actually fell through and oh. landed on the bed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and doing construction, too. Look, I would say, yeah, and so they were there. like, you know, and both of them were just scared I'd of snakes. I'd be like, I'm moving out. But this is not worth And so I was like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. And then the, all day, the next day, we got these cans of foam 
yellow foam, you know, that you spray and it just turns into insulation. We went through every spot in that house. And then I had to go to work. I came back and I had like all, it was just way overdone. I had all, every little (laughs) spot on the outside of my house had like a yellow (laughs) foam sticking out. I was like, I guess a little bit going overboard, but (laughs) I remember like, and just, you know, we fearing a snake because it's uh, unpredictable. And that's not the fear of the Lord, because we can predict God. We know his nature. We know who he is. We know the basis of God's plan in our life is his grace and his goodness. And so the fear of the Lord really brings wisdom. And because there's no fear or respect for God in people's lives, there is very little wisdom in people's lives. And when we fear the Lord, then there's a there we grow in um, wisdom, like about my job situation. What should I do? God, give me wisdom. I don't know, because I'm the kind of person that I like to sit down and figure it all out, you know. What should I do? And I just want to hear from God. Listen to God. Like, what is God saying to me about my plans for the holidays? Or what should I do? Should I go there or do this? I just want to hear from God. And so we just, let's let's go to James again. This is uh, Christine's favorite book. That tells me a lot about Christine. James is a book of uh, action, working. So that must mean that Christine likes action. She's not a passive person, are you? James chapter 3, verse 15. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. Let's just read these verses 15 to 17. Uh, and here James is speaking here regarding like bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, and arrogance in verse 14. He's just talking about um, jealousy, ambition, and arrogance. And he says this in verse 15, This kind of wisdom, or this wisdom, is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. And so there's two types of wisdom. There is first this earthly wisdom. And James 3, verse 15. And this, this kind of wisdom really has three stages to it. And um, the three stages of wisdom are of, of wisdom from below is first that it's earthy. You know, earthy. And the Greek word here is epigeos, which means just earthy, just like dusty. You know, it's just... Uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever sat down with someone and just the whole conversation is about circumstances, their life, problems, politics, and I've been talking about another Christian. And it's like at some point you just like hungering, like, okay, I would like to talk about something other than just sadness of life and tragedy. And, you know, uh, I remember, a while, you know, a while, a long time ago, we used to have prayer meetings here, and many times it would just be about people's problems. And we had to kind of stop that because it was just becoming so depressing, just praying for problems. And I'd, I'd leave the parking lot and be like, oh, I'm so sad. You know, like, <laughs> what? You know, where is God? And, and it was just earthy, you know? And this is really like another way to just look at this is that sometimes people make decisions based on information that is earthy information. Like, um, you know, wealthy people, not wealthy people, uh, whoever, people can do this. They make decisions based on earthy stuff, like, you know, well, if I do this, my parents are going to be upset, and uh, I can't do that, and, you know, I can't travel there because, uh, you know, my family won't like that, and 
you know, earthiness, earthy stuff. And that kind of wisdom, uh, you, could, you know, there are people that are in this world that are very, very adept in making their way around life. You ever meet them? They're just like, you know, they're, they're pros at just getting through life and just getting what they can out of people and then moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that word that you call, you, there's a word that, you, that we use for that. What is the word? It's um, clever or, you know, they just are... Uh, They're like connivers. Conniving. Yeah. They, conniving. They, they, they connive and they are just wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and sneaky. I don't and, and it's like, you know, they're very good at this. Huh? No. Politicians. Oh, politicians. <laughs> there we That's go. The That's the noun right there. So. There are some people that are like that. And the way the basis of the, their life is very earthy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, like when I'm looking at making plans with God, I I don't consult first my wallet. I don't pray to my wallet first. I just I pray to God. Like God, what do you want to do? And then when God tells me what He wants to do, then He puts what He puts in my wallet what's needed to do that. I just take the step, and that's the way we do things in our church. And that sounds a little bit irresponsible. And it's a little scary, but that's the way we, my wife and I has always lived. We just make decisions. We're like, what is God's will? Okay, that's God's will. All right, then that means that God's going to provide for it, mm-hmm. right? So when I, li- when I live like that, then my vision is creating a demand in my life, and God fills that demand. But if I'm sitting around just using earthly wisdom about my situation in life, then I'm not going to make decisions by faith, and I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to wait till God gives me the provisions to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's a little backwards. Like if you see in the Old Testament, remember the priests were carrying the ark on their shoulders when they mm-hmm. approached the Jordan River, and they they had to walk. God was going to part the river, but they first had to walk into it. Right. And they had to all walk, and then they had to wait. And they're they're standing there with the ark of the covenant on their shoulders. And the water is like, you know, up to their ankles or shins. And they're just standing there and then for a few moments before the miracle happened. And I try to think of that moment, like how embarrassing that must have been. Like, this is awkward. Like, we really hope God does something because all of Israel is looking at us right now. <laughs> and we're supposed to be the priests, the leaders of the religious world in, in Israel. And so God did it. And that's the way I like to look at my life is that I don't want to consult and use, like, here's what, um, here's what, and this is a good verse. Let's look at this in Galatians chapter 1. This is a good example of Paul not using earthly wisdom to make decisions about God's will for his life. This is Galatians chapter 1, um, verse 16. And he's talking about his calling. Galatians 1, verse 16. And he said, to reveal his son in me. He's talking about what God wanted to do in Paul and through Paul. Galatians 1, verse 16. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Gentiles being non-Jewish people, we know that. And listen to this. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Isn't that great? Galatians Mm -hmm. 1, verse 16, last part of the verse. Paul didn't go around asking everybody for their opinion about, you know what, I want to preach Christ to the Gentiles. What do you think about that? <laughs> he didn't do that. He, he had heard from God, 
And, of course, he was going to get counsel, but he wasn't getting everybody's opinion because he wasn't really worried about pleasing everybody. And I think sometimes earthly wisdom gets very occupied about pleasing everybody, making sure that everybody's happy with what I'm doing because I don't, God forbid that I'm in this situation where I get some flack for what I did. And, you know, because if we try to go through life without any conflict and without any trouble, then that's not going to work. We are, as we go through life, in the perfect will of God, there's going to be bruises. We're going to bump into things. People are going to bump into us. We just, we're not going to get out of this life without any, without getting hurt in some way. And so we don't want to live in fleshly wisdom that comes from the earth. Do you guys know, have you ever heard earthly wisdom? Like someone says, well, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think you should do that because, you know, uh, you know, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't do that. Um, like somebody says, okay, well, I feel called from God that I, you know, I want to minister in this certain way to people in the inner city, for example, right? And someone that is very close to us may say, well, I don't think you should do that because it's dangerous down there. People get shot all the time down there. That's earthly wisdom. It's true. That's mm-hmm. true information, but it's like, you know, so the second thing here is that is that it's earthly and then it becomes sensual. Sensual is more than just a sexual connotation. Sensual means having to do with senses, the five senses. You know, um, it. remember when the devil came to Eve and said, uh, uh, look at the apple, it is pleasant to the eyes, right? It was something that was very appealing to Eve. And um, and that really hits a, a spot there because we see things and sometimes earthly wisdom can be very appealing to us. It can, you know, like somebody may suggest something to you and say, wow, that's like a, wow, that would be really great. I remember in Bible school, a businessman came to me and he said, uh, he goes, I want you to work for me. I was like, me? You know, I was like, poorer than dirt. And I said, what? You know, and he said, yeah. And he was a salesman. He's, you know, really doing well. And he goes, yeah, I need a salesman. I go, I don't know, you know. And he said, I said, I don't really have any clothes. You know, I don't really have any sales clothes. And he goes, I'll buy you some. You know, I just want you to come in. And he was a great guy. He's a great, great salesman, great businessman. And, and I said, wow. And I said, well, I don't have a car. And he says, well, you can use my car. And I got really excited. I was like, wow, this sounds awesome because he had a great car. And, you know, and I was thinking about it, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to pray about this. I'm just going to ask God, you know. And it was very appealing to me. It was very, like, the earthy, appealing. And I said, God, if this is... And there was actually... Um, I was working at staff, on staff cleaning toilets all night at the Bible college I was in. And so there was a review of staff, and there was going to be a cutback of some staff members because, you know, uh, they couldn't afford everyone. So I said, well, good. I said... I said, God, if I get cut, then I know that this, I know this is your, I know this is your will. That I'll just take this. And and at the meeting, at the staff meeting, they were talking, and I raised my hand. I said, You guys can cut me. You know, I said, I can help God here. You can cut me because I got some provisions. You know, I can, you know, I got a <coughs> job to fall back on. You know. So the day came when everybody got cut. People got cut, and guess it was me and another guy that didn't get cut out of a team of ten people. I was like, Oh, great! You know, like I get to do this. You know? gloves on. 
<laughs> you're like, you're the best. And I, I'm just thinking, okay, that was God. You know, it was just God just did, you know. And then the third thing about earthly wisdom is that it's devilish. And what that means is this, is that someone can feed on earthly stuff for so long, for so many years, that they actually begin to think like the way the devil thinks about situations. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it can become very, very like, they could say something to you and it's just like, like you could say, well, that was just straight from the devil. I don't know if you've ever talked to people like that, but things have happened where that like, you know, uh, I had one time, I was thinking about something and going through something in my mind and it was really like bothering me and, and uh, I was just thinking about it. And then moments later, my phone rings. And it's a person on the, in my family on the other end. And they actually called me to confirm that I should do something, which was like what I was trying to go through my mind, whether I should do this or not. But it was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, you should do this. Moments later, it was like as if the devil told this person to call me and to get me on the phone and propose something to me that was just going to take me out of the plan of God. And I understood. I said, this is like, you know, this is just wisdom from below right now. And I just cordially said, no thanks, you know, thanks for calling me, but I'm not going to do that. And I'm not. And so the wisdom from below is always earthy, you know. It's like when somebody gives you counsel, we need to, like, be discerning, like, is this counsel from God or is this counsel from somebody's natural opinion who doesn't really know what God's mind is. And that's important because we're hearing counsel all the time from people, aren't we? People are always telling us, you should do this. Mm-hmm. You, know, you deserve that. It's about time you put... There was a guy that, um, let's see, oh, we were at a pastor's retreat back in October. And we were at this pastor's retreat and, and the guy who's running the place, uh, he's a great guy, someone that was working for him, um, you know, uh, just... It was one of those situations. I, I was in the men's room, combing my hair, doing something, and he comes up and he says, you know, being a pastor is a great thing. You're giving to people so often. You're pouring everything out, and sometimes you just need to look out for number one, good old number one. And I thought, that's mm-hmm. like God's looking out for me. I don't have to look out for myself because I'm going to start turning into this selfish person if I do that, right? And so that's that's really we have to be careful about what we're hearing. Wisdom from above, in verse 17, it says this. Wisdom from above is first pure. That's a great word. There's eight, there's eight characteristics to the wisdom from above, and that is first pure. You ever met somebody pure? Like, you ever met something that's just pure? That's like there's no evil in this at all? Like, you know. Like a newborn? Yeah, like a new... There's a difference between innocence and then there's a difference between pure. Because innocence is, means that they haven't had a chance to sin yeah, yet. True. And they're innocent, right? Yeah. You know, babies are innocent. Adam and Eve were innocent, but they they were not holy yet. And yeah. so purity is when you've been tested, you failed, but you've been tested and you're on the right road right now. Mm-hmm. And you had opportunities to fall down, but you are walking right today. You're Walking with God with a series of good decisions. And that's purity. And wisdom is pure. It means there's no agenda behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really great is to meet people like that. That Maybe you and I have not met. Well, maybe we have. But in certain circles in the world, there are people that have big agendas. 
And when they talk to you, they want to merchandise you. Mm. You know, they want to like, you know, they have an agenda. And I think I talked about it last week or sometime or yesterday or something. And you talk to them and you can detect an agenda there. It's like, well, I don't know, but why do you want me to do that? And you're just wondering, like you hear something there. And it could be an agenda that is not pure. And wisdom from God, there's no agenda. God's like, I just want to love you and I don't expect anything from you. Really? There's no agenda? No, there's no agenda. And that's the way it is with the love of God. The second thing with wisdom is that it's peaceable. You know, there's some counsel that when you receive it, causes a lot of conflict, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, somebody will, you know, be careful what you let into your soul. Your soul is like a little child. Like, I'm sure you're like, if you have kids, you know, you're very careful what your kids are looking at and what they're seeing or what they're hearing. And you're very protective. And when you find out that they saw something or they heard something that's just totally inappropriate, you're there to total you're there to try to totally clean it up and like, you know, just try to eradicate that from their mind. And that's the way it is we have to be with our soul, because if we let things into our soul through the eye gate, then that can cause corruption and that can cause like just distort uh distortion in our soul. And I say that because there's just so much out there, isn't there? There's so much out there on the internet, in the world that we live in, and we see things, and it just can hit us uh, if we're vulnerable. And so peaceable means that we are filtering what we are hearing, and the, 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 the wisdom of God is something that creates peace. It's peaceable. Um, remember Solomon, and I, I would love to teach on Solomon, but I'm not going to do it, but the first test of Solomon, if you, read, if you read a little farther in that chapter that we read this morning in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, two women come with a child to mm. King Solomon. And I love this story. And we know the story. One woman is a prostitute and the other one is the real mother. And so they come to the king and both claim that this is their child. And so, um, so Solomon says, okay, give me a sword. And he says, we'll divide the child in half, and you can take one half of the child, and you can take the other half of the child, which is an extreme, insane solution. But, but Solomon knew that the real mother would, would come out, like cast herself, like she would say, you know, divide me in half, or let, or let, the, let that woman take the baby, you know, do not harm the baby. Right. And there's that, there's that uh, measure of protection. And that's what... That's what God's wisdom does. It always creates peace in circumstances and um, conflicts. And the the third thing that we read about the mercy of the wisdom of God is that it's gentle. It's gentle. It's not aggravated. And you know, of course, when we read these things, we can try to we can compare our experience to this. And that's not the way we should hear the Bible. By the way, never compare your experience with what the Bible's saying. Don't do that because you're you're receiving the Bible the wrong way. The Bible is not a manual of mod of behavior modification. That's not what the Bible. The Bible is not a religious manual of how to act better or a book of etiquette or religious behavior. It's the Bible is to transform us because we have no strength in ourselves to transform ourselves. If Christianity could get a hold of this, we'd be we'd be the world be evangelized by now. Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. It's God who converts us. It's it's the Word of God that converts us. And 
Uh, the church, we get so, we ourselves, we get so wrapped up with our experience, like, okay, you know, I'm not measuring up to the message. Well, if we say that and we start comparing ourselves with the message, we're already off, off track. That's the prophesize. Your words are so strong. Yeah. You keep saying that I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that, I can't. You should probably say, I can do this and I will be able to handle that and I, through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, we got to just get God's mind on things. And how does God think about, you know, like, you know, how does God think about me? And so God, gentleness is something where somebody that has, that has the wisdom of God is just going to be a person that, that just understands gentleness. And they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to come down hard and, uh, you know, bash people. Because that's not, you ever get, you know, taken aside by somebody and they just rail on you? You're like, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. And, you know, this is what you should be doing. And then they just yell at you and you're like, okay, right now I'm just getting, I'm getting rails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not the wisdom of God. And in Christianity, we shouldn't do that with each other either. And, and we, sometimes we've done that because we're just frustrated. But when we deal with things, we really got to get quiet and just understand that gentleness can be firm, but it's not something that uh, is... What? Firm but fair. Yeah, not bashing people. Yeah. The next thing here is um, reasonable. Okay. And actually, um, uh, that's a, uh, the, the King James uses entreatable. Entreatable means that if I have the wisdom of God and somebody comes to me about an issue, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to them. I'm, I'm not God Almighty here running the show. You know, that's the way... We also, we like if somebody, if, and this is the hard, when somebody's a pro at something, and I find this with artists a lot, if you're an artist in any way, and you approach them a little bit about, can we do it this way? It, no, this is, it's like, you know, don't touch my expression of myself in this <laughs> matter. And I'm, saying, I'm like, okay. And so entreatability means, okay, let me just think about that and, uh, let's see how we can do this. And a treatable means, like, yes, you know, it's not my way or the highway. It's, uh, and that's what makes a church great is when people are, you know, and that's what a team, what makes a team great is when, when a group of people are thinking this way. That, that um, I understood when I was in Bible school that I'm not one of these super gifted people that can do all these things. And, but the secret in my life would be is, is to is to allow God put people in the right places that could really help me with things that I can't do. And that is really what we call the Elijah-Elisha principle, where God brings in a person into our lives that, um, that can really add to the work of God. And so the next thing here is, is that um, merciful is number five. Um, merciful... And I think we mentioned that already. It's we're not giving people what they deserve. I remember one time, not here but overseas, uh, something had happened, and I was just really upset that somebody had done something. And I was like, "That's it. I'm going to go up to the pulpit. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to preach on this, and <laughs> just like we're going to put the cat on the table, and we're just going to deal with this. You know, this person's what they did was so disrespectful, and <laughs> I was just." A young, young preacher at the time. I was going to preach the whole message at one person. And there's a lot of people there, you know. So that was like, I get up there, I pray to open, and God tells me, I'm not going to bless this message if you preach this. 
I'm like, God, you, you know, this is what I prepared. I'm so. <laughs> it's what you prepared. It's what I prepared. I'm so. I'm so like. I'm so uh, passionate about this. I got to talk about this. Guys, like, if you say this, it's gonna. I'm not gonna bless it. It's just gonna. It's gonna go out six inches from your mouth, and it's just gonna. It's gonna dive bomb right in front of the pulpit. And then when he preached about gratitude. <laughs> no, and this was not here. This was like years ago overseas. <laughs> So I got up, and I just was like, all right, all right. And so I was like, okay, God, it's just, all right, I'm not going to preach that. So I preached on just the opposite. I preached on um, the graciousness of God or how God's patient with us and stuff. And I was just, I kind of preached it begrudgingly. Guess what happened? At the end of the message, this person came up to me, and they were like, they were like, Chris, I'm so sorry. I was so disrespectful. I got so convicted during your message. I go, you did? I, didn't, I, didn't, I was like thinking, I didn't even say anything about this. And it was God. It was just God speaking to that person. Soft word will break the bone. And it broke, yeah. And because I didn't take measures into my own hand. And when we're merciful, so when I preach a, when I preach a merciful message, you can know that I'm really angry. No. <laughs> I'm only kidding. No, no, no. I don't, no, don't, take, don't take it like that. Okay, next, good fruits. Number six, good fruits. Like, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. There's good fruits to it, you know? When you have a wise person that's thinking with wisdom, there's good fruit to it. Uh, number seven, no partiality. Uh, God's wisdom is not partial. And I like that. Jesus was not a partial person. Partial people are not wise people. You know, selecting some, you know, selecting and respecting a few and then ditching everybody else. That's not the wisdom of God. And then lastly, no hypocrisy. There's no hypocrisy in the wisdom of God. And so I'll just finish with this, is that wisdom is the principal thing that we want to have in our life. And to understand that um, wisdom from God, and I said this in the service this morning, and I just maybe repeat it, that wisdom, a wise person is not naive, naive. Uh, the diff- remember what the difference between discernment and judging is? Do you remember what we said about that this morning? What's the difference between discerning and judging? When I discern something, how is it different than judging? If I discern someone... Right, with compassion. And with compassion, judging is just, I, I'm judging you and I, I don't like it. Yeah, and you, and, and you condemn them. Right. And you we take the place of God in their life when we judge. And we all do that, but when we judge, then that's not the wisdom of God. But discernment, wisdom gives us discernment. And I just want to say this, that like First John 4, verse 1, it says, don't believe every spirit. Um, be discerning in your life. There are things that there will be people that come in the name of God and that, w- that won't be speaking God's mind about things. They're on TV, on the Internet, in our lives. And sometimes, you know, it may look good, it may sound good, it may be pleasing to the eyes, it may be uh, very powerful, magnetic in its teaching, but it's not the mind of God. And, it's, and it could be actually arrogance, and it could be um, really just not the mind of God. And so we want to exercise discernment with things, and that's what God's wisdom so uh, I just finished with this, is that when we take what we know about the Bible and we apply it by faith in our lives, it becomes wisdom. It becomes ours. You know, like if I'm living in fear, if I'm living in fear and worry, and then I just say, well, you know, the Bible says, um, Philippians chapter 4, you know, be anxious for nothing. 
And when I, when I apply that in my life, when I'm feeling anxious, then what I know becomes wisdom. And it, that's the transfer when I apply it in my life. And Well, the Bible says, um, uh, the, you know, I feel maybe um, lonely. The Bible says, I, I will never leave you nor forsake you in Hebrews chapter 13. And when I say that, and when, it, when I believe that, and I apply it for that particular moment, then what I know is becoming wisdom, is becoming my, what I really believe, what I know, and it becomes mine. And that's, that's, when, uh, that's when knowledge, because there's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff, but there's not maybe so much wisdom. You get them in a situation where we need to have real-time application of God's heart and God's mind in a crisis, there's no time really to go back to our creed of faith. We need to have God's mind at the moment. And the Bible says that um, uh, he that knows my doctrine shall know. Shall, he that knows he that knows my doctrine shall know my will. Like when we know the word and we apply it, then we're really knowing God, and it's becoming very personal in our lives. And so, just a few. That's a, just a few thoughts about the subject, and um, we can. Um, just anybody have any questions about that or anything that they want to add? It works. I 